kick from that rifle nearly took my shoulder off, but I wasn't about to miss this. We're glad that you stuck around too. On the tech stuff with with guns, because uh, let's be honest, it can, it can get a little bit boring. But um, recently, I was um, I was reading a, a few articles, a few reports. So um, the one I wanted to touch uh, touch on was um, was gas systems, and normally. Uh, again, I wouldn't bore you guys with with gas system talk, but but I found this particularly interesting because there was such a um, uh, the results of the of the test and the test is ongoing. I'll get to the details, um, but uh, it was just so dramatic that I thought um, I thought I'd share it with you. So uh, you guys bear with me for those of you that already know what I'm talking about. Um, this is for for the folks that may not be familiar with the uh, gas system and the AR-15 and how it works. So there's four types of gas systems um, in use, and that is pistol length, carbine length, mid-length, and rifle length. Now, rifle length being the longest, pistol length being the shortest. Um, now the original, uh, the original AR-15 was of course a uh, the old um, the old SP-1 uh, back in the uh, Vietnam era was a 20-inch barrel, so it had a rifle length gas system. So what the gas system does is it is actually what cycles the weapon. So if you think about the way an AR-15 looks, um, picture a a cartridge loaded up and ready to go. When you fire that cartridge. The hammer strikes a firing pin, the firing pin strikes the primer, the primer ignites the gunpowder in the cartridge, the bullet starts moving down the barrel. So as it moves down the barrel, the uh, the gas from the burning powder is expanding behind it and pushing it down the barrel. So as that gas expands, it passes over a port that's in the barrel, and that port, um, depending on the gas system length, be it, you know, again, pistol, carbine, mid, or rifle, is a different distance from the bolt face, and I'll tell you why that matters in just a second. But as that gas passes, as the bullet passes that port, um, that gas will actually go through that port into the gas block, which is attached to the barrel, and there is a gas tube that goes into that gas block. That gas then travels down that gas tube back into the upper receiver, strikes the gas key on the carrier, and then forces that carrier back into the receiver extension tube where it is buffered by both a, a spring and a, and a heavy buffer, and that slows down the, uh, the cycle a little bit on um, the uh, bolt carrier as it goes back. So when it's all the way back, uh, the bolt rotates as it's moving back. It grabs the spent cartridge, tosses it out the side, the side of the rifle. Another cartridge comes up from the magazine. The bolt starts to go forward, go shut, slams that new cartridge back into battery, and the whole process starts all over again. So that is called um, gas impingement. Uh, now, there are piston gas systems out there. Uh, AK-47 um, is a, uses a piston gas system. So the principle is the same, but the method in which the gas is delivered to cycle the weapon is a little bit different. Now, there are piston ARs. Um, as well that's a that's a whole different discussion for for another day but um you know so why are gas systems important well they're important for for a couple of reasons um you know when you're selecting an ar-15 uh, and you're thinking about gas system for a lot of guys they i, I don't think they even think about it um and we have guys coming to black rifle company and and when i start talking to them about gas systems a lot of folks are like uh it doesn't matter, but, you know, but really it, it should, it should. Um, 
the um, you know uh, the 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 big deal if you've got a pistol length weapon so ten and a half inches seven and a half inches you are ninety nine times out of a hundred gonna use a pistol length um, gas system because that's mostly all those uh, all those barrel lengths are gonna have piston length or pistol length uh, um, gas ports in them so you can't really get around that where you get into choices is in the um, of the sixteen inch barrel or fourteen and a half inch barrel so you're gonna get your choice of either carbine or mid-length and that's where this article comes into play um, that I'm going to talk about so the um, again back to the uh, the original uh, the old-school SP1 uh, that uh, that Armalites uh, came up with in the uh, in the Vietnam era the uh, the original Eugene Stoner design um, that used a uh, a 20 inch barrel so it had a um, it had a rifle length um, gas system on it, so that put the uh, that put the gas tube um, at roughly uh, 13 inches down the um, uh, down the barrel, and that worked fine uh, because you had plenty of dwell time. And dwell time is the amount of time that the bullet is in the rifle um, pre gas block, so until it hits the gas port. Uh, so that matters because if you try to use that long gas system, that rifle length gas system, on a 16-inch barrel, then you would only have about an inch and a half of of space post gas block, and it just doesn't it doesn't function well. It doesn't lend itself well to the to to uh, to a a reliable cycle and it, it affects velocity and things like that so there's carbine length and there's mid length those are the two most popular by far so there's been a couple of schools of thought um, over time about um, which one of these is better and uh, why uh, just as an example uh, talking about going back to the rifle system for just a second before I forget um, gas pressures that are exerted on the gas key to get it to cycle change dramatically uh, when you decrease the the uh, length of the gas system uh, you go from about 17,000 psi on the um, on the carbine length down to about 10,000 on the rifle length and that makes a difference because that affects your perceived recoil so if you want a smooth shooting gun and granted the ar-15 the 5.56 nato cartridge 223 remington don't have a huge amount of recoil to begin with but if it's a matter of making a choice of one gas system or another with no discernible extra cost for you you know why not why not get the better shooting one why not get the smoother shooting one i mean a lot of guys will pay money uh for an adjustable gas block you know to get that same effect and we'll, we'll talk about what that does also uh we'll cover that a little bit but um you know what i wanted to touch on was um you know the a direct comparison of uh of carbine length gas systems uh to the mid-length now the the test that was done um, is not quite finished yet, and what they've done they've taken um, the test is done on 14 and a half inch uppers, which is the standard length for the M4 and M4A1 that the military is using right now. So uh, not much shorter than our standard uh, 16 inch carbine uh, that uh, that civilians use, and you know 16 inches is the minimum on a, a rifle length weapon, so we can't do the can't do the 14 and a half but what they are testing over these three uppers um, they're doing uh, uh, endurance reliability precision 
muzzle velocity, terminal velocity at 100 yards, low temperature operation, which is negative 60 degrees, high temperature operation, which is 160 degrees, and um, barrel erosion. So they're conducting this with the M855 uh, penetrator ammo. So I'm going to talk a little bit about accuracy because I think that's a um, that's a big deal. That's what everybody wants. Accuracy and reliability is are the two biggest things that that most of us look for in a rifle. So as an example, the carbine started showing a a a, a degradation of accuracy at about six thousand rounds. So six thousand rounds is a lot of rounds. But as a comparison. The mid-length at the time of this testing, and again, it's not over with, was at the 12,600 round mark with no accuracy degradation. So you're talking a little more than twice the amount of rounds through it with, with no effect at all. So that that in and of itself would be enough to make me, um, you know, do the mid-length and, uh, and, uh, and not the carbine length. So... Um, the other ones were, uh, you know, high temp, low temp operation, and there were those all. F- I'm not going to bore you too much with the with the details of that, but um, for low temp operation, they they had about the same about the same failure rate, and uh, I don't know that it that it matters too much to us because negative sixty degrees is awfully damn cold to be out shooting an AR-15. But you never know, and 160 degrees is is pretty hot. Uh, I don't know who shoots in 160 degree weather. I mean, today might be one of those days because I tell you what, it is freaking warm outside. But uh, so uh, interestingly enough, um, the uh, the uh, what was was kind of kind of odd was the. Uh, the failure rate um, in between in between rounds um, in the uh, in the in the the carbine length the failure rate uh, on the low temperature operation was about 333 rounds. So between each malfunction, they had 333 rounds. The mid length it was up to 562. So that's almost double the reliability, and that's uh, again that's that's a huge huge difference. Um, so that that all lends itself to to again to what we want. We want accuracy. We want reliability, uh, and those two things are have shown themselves to be very prevalent um, when it comes to the mid length versus um, uh, versus carbine length. The other thing that they tested that was kind of interesting was um, was the cyclic rate. Now the cyclic rate on a on a carbine length gas system was faster on a mid it was like uh 922 rounds a minute um on the uh on the carbine on the mid it was down in the mid 800s i think it was like 862 so it was about 80 rounds uh difference um terminal velocity and muzzle velocity were nearly identical they averaged out to a little less than a spread of about 43 feet per second so that was really negligible um what was interesting though and this is something that that is always a little bit of a a debate or at least in the folks that I've spoke to, was uh, they they tested these out suppressed and unsuppressed, and a the suppressed weapons actually showed a uh, a higher a higher terminal velocity. The muzzle velocity was a little bit higher, but they, they showed a higher terminal velocity um, on both gas systems. And you know, putting a suppressor on there, a lot of people will tell you, well, if you do that, you lose accuracy and you lose muzzle velocity. And the opposite is true. You actually um, you gain a good bit of muzzle velocity because by putting, uh, you know, seven and a half inches to, to eight and a half inches of suppressor on the end of a weapon, you actually extend the barrel length. So you do get a, get a little bit of time for that gas to expand a little bit more. 
and it does add a little bit more um, velocity to it. So overall, man, that's a. I know there was a lot of numbers in a in a lot of talk, but but bottom line is um, this testing is ongoing, and uh, so far uh, the carbine the carbine length gas system is really getting its butt kicked. Um, so in the future, when you guys are looking for an AR, if you're building an AR, a lot of you guys like to do that yourself, myself included. Um, it looks like mid length is the way to go, and I'm glad to say that mid length is what I usually recommend. To folks, um, you know, unless folks just insist on a carbine, then it's their money. Let them spend it how they want. Hey, we got to take a break here in just a couple of seconds. But coming up on the other side, I'm going to answer your questions. You guys sent me a bunch of questions, and you got some good ones. So, uh, so I'm going to read them and I'm going to answer them. But stay with us right here, Bullet Point Second Amendment Talk on Vital Draft Radio. Bold, informative, and thankful for the Second Amendment. This is Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. To bullet points on Vinyl Draft Radio, Second Amendment Talk, and more. I'm your host, Tony Ashcraft. Hey, Tegan decided to uh, to join me here in the studio. We're going to chit-chat with him. He's kind of a gun guy, kind of a gun nerd, former gunsmith himself, and a uh, definitely a fan of the Second Amendment. So um, yeah. so I, I was telling you guys before, uh, we've got a few questions here uh, that we're going to take from, from listeners. And uh, the first one is from David R., and David is in Spring, Texas. And David's question is, who is Colt Competition? Uh, and he, I'm not going to read the whole question, but basically David is said that a friend of his told him that Colt Competition was uh, an elite competitive type division of Colt and only for competitive shooters and the stuff was hard to get and really expensive and all kinds of other stuff like that. So the truth is Colt Competition is out of business and they were located here in Texas. They went out of business in 2017 um, and uh, Colt Competition, they actually licensed the um, uh, the name Colt from Colt Manufacturing, so the original, the original Colt, but um, uh, Colt Competition was actually a company called Bold Ideas. They were formerly out of Oregon, and uh, this company, Bold Ideas, if you guys are familiar with the Colt Expanse, it's like the um, the model number is like the CE twenty sixty three or something like that. But you know, a lot of Colt guys. I was talking about Colt in the in, in the first segment. Um, a lot of guys look at the Colt Expanse as kind of you know kind of the bastard Colt, the cheap one, the the sort of it's a cult, but it's sort of a, a poor man's cult, and a lot of a lot of cult purists don't like that. Um, but yeah, those guys um, they went out of business. They the the first year that they were they were going, they were selling um, they were selling about six thousand guns a quarter. And in 2017, when they bit the big one, uh, they were struggling to sell 500 guns um, a quarter. Hmm. So, and and they they moved to Texas. They moved to Texas the year that Trump got elected. So um, that didn't help their cause out at all. But uh, yeah, David, to answer your question, uh, Colt Competition is um, is a division of Bold Ideas, not directly of Colt. They are a licensed manufacturer, and they are no moss. So if somebody tries to sell you something marked Colt Competition and tells you that it's 
it's some kind of cult elite stuff, um, it's going to be uh, what we call in the industry uh, as bullshit. <laughs> so so don't so don't do it. In fact, um, you know, thinking about it, uh, a, a free plug goes out to CDNN Investments of Abilene, Texas. If you want cult competition stuff, those guys sucked up a lot of the leftover parts, and you can buy. Man, I think you can buy complete cult competition, not built rifles, but you can buy complete rifle kits from them, including the lower for about 400 bucks so um so that's pretty that's pretty dirty dirt cheap so if you're in the if you just got to have a cult competition uh then go out and get you one all right so uh so jason from right here or no i'm sorry not jason josh from right here in webster texas says is canic as good a gun as glock so canic um canic is a, a nine millimeter polymer based lower striker well uh, it, it's it's very similar to the Glock in both price and not not so much in design. Um, is it as good as Glock? Uh, I don't is know. Polymer lower? Yeah, it's polymer. Hmm. Yeah, it's polymer. No, it's a solid gun. I mean, I, I've 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 shot the Canic before. Hmm. I mean, they have probably a dozen different models, but they're nice. The triggers are good on them. Um, from the tests that I've seen, I mean, I've only put a handful of rounds through one, um, but from the tests I've seen, they seem solid. But to say, uh, are they as good as the Glock? Uh, I, I assume if you're talking about reliability, um, that's a question that's yet to be answered because you know either myself or Tegan um, could take one of these canics out and put 5,000 rounds through it in a day, and that just proves the reliability of our gun. But Glock has been around for a long, long, long time. A lot of law enforcement guys are, are toting the Glocks around, and they literally put that Glock in between uh, you know between themselves and and uh in harm's way and they use that to protect themselves and it has served these guys well and i don't think you can say the same about the canic now i'm not i'm not taking it away from the the canic at all it is a good good solid gun and again it's priced very very similar to the glock i would say that if you're not a law enforcement guy and you you don't well, for whatever reason, particularly care for the Glock, if it's ergonomics or you just everybody's got a Glock and that's not really what you want and you want a little bit better trigger. It definitely has a better trigger uh, than the Glock. There is um, there's no question about that. It's worth giving it a try. Um, they have some cheaper models that I want to say are in the in the mid four hundred dollar range, you know, retail street. So. Uh, um, yeah, you could definitely get into one of those. Um, but they are they are as yet, they're not as proven as the Glock. But I think uh, given time, if the company keeps doing what they're doing, I think their, their reputation will continue to grow. So uh, on to Lisa L. of Pearland, Texas. She says, what is the best gun for home defense? Well, that hmm. is... That, Subjective, I mean, to the situation. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's And, and that's right. And oh, this is a question. This is probably the most fre- frequently asked question um, uh, in in my store anyway. And, you know, I tell people, and like Tegan said, it is, um, it's very subjective. It depends. I mean, if you live by yourself and you don't have to worry about... The thing that you have to remember in home protection is... You have to be cognizant of who else is in the home. Absolutely. Um, I'll tell you what's not a good for home, gun for home protection. That's an AR-15. Right. That is a horrible gun for home protection. And if you have to fire an AR-15 in the dark, if you're woken up from you know a, a drunk, a sleep-induced stupor, and you get up and you're stumbling around and you're trying to find your weapon and you grab that AR-15 and you fire that, you're not going to be able to hear for about 30 seconds and the muzzle flash in the dark, you ain't going to be able to see shit for about 30 seconds. 
and you're not going to know what's going on. That is a that is a bad bad choice. That is a bad choice. Um, you're better off, I think, if you're by yourself. Um, you know, maybe a a small striker fired gun. You know, something along the lines of like the Canik and the Glock that we just talked about. Those make good yeah. choices. For me, the I think the all around general best gun for home defense is going to be a pump shotgun, either a Remington. Um, or Mossberg, whichever your preference is, the 870 or the 500. Um, and I say that because there are, you know, 12 gauge packs a lot of pop, a lot of pop, a lot of pop, a lot of power. Oh, yeah. um, and there is a um, <clears throat> there's a ton of different 12 gauge ammo you can get out there. There's reduced recoil ammo. There's double out buck if you're feeling manly. Um, but I think as a general rule of thumb, I recommend that people use a number nine birdshot in an 18 and a half inch barrel which is about the shorter which is the shortest barrel length you can get in a shotgun and the widest choke pattern that you can possibly get um small pellets like that are going to be plenty of plenty enough knockdown uh to dissuade an intruder and it has very low penetration so the concern about it going through a wall and hitting someone else another family member another friend someone else in the home um i I think that's that's greatly diminished and with it having such a um uh, such a wide pattern you know you don't have to be don't have to be quite as accurate and a pump shotgun is very reliable um so if you have children in the house and and there's a concern with um with children gaining access to guns um which we should all be concerned with and i will tell you uh speaking of that education 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 uh, but uh you can um you can store the shotgun without a round in the chamber you can rack the round into the chamber if you need to um, I prefer to keep mine at the ready because I don't want anybody to know where I'm at when I rack the shotgun. I don't want to give away my position. Right. The only click you're going to hear is me pulling the trigger and you hitting the floor and clean up on aisle six. So, um, uh, but yeah. So to answer that question, uh, a 12 gauge shotgun with number nine birdshot, uh, 18 and a half inch barrel, and the widest choke you can get, Lisa. That's where you should start out with and take it out and shoot it. You don't want any surprises when you have to pull the trigger the first time. Okay. So Terry W. All the way from Fort Worth, Texas says, will the HPA pass? So the HPA is the Hearing Protection Act. Man, this is a good one. So the Hearing Protection Act um, is legislation that's been kicked around for, geez, I don't know how long. But um, so now if you if you want to buy a silencer, you guys want to own a silencer, you have to um, you have to jump through all these hoops, man. You got to get a trust or you got to do a form four. You got to pay a two hundred dollar tax stamp. You got to do fingerprints. You got to do photos. You got to go through a, a dealer that has a special occupational tax so he can do the transfer just on and on and on and on. Pretty long wait time, too. Yeah. The, yeah. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Tegan's right. The wait time is is upwards of, of eight months now, in some cases a year. But it's it's ridiculous. It is it is very a very very long wait time. So, um, will the HPA pass? Man, you know I have to say uh, if I don't think so, and I don't think so not because I don't think it's a good idea for it to pass, uh, but I think um, 
you know, here in the South, uh, where gun culture is uh, a good bit more prevalent than it is in the North. I mean, we got to think this has got to go through the House and the Senate. So we're talking mm-hmm. about politicians. We're talking about legislators. And in the grand scheme of things, with, with all the other crap going on in government, um, that's not really at the top of their list. And it's probably never going to be. But it's great for some of these guys that are that are just getting into uh, uh, into the House or into the Senate that are that are running or reelection. These kind of junior senators for them to pound their fist on the table and go if you put me in office you elect me i'm gonna fight for your hearing protection act i'm gonna get it passed i'm gonna get it well mm-hmm. that's just that dude with talking points the other guys running couldn't give two shits about the hearing protection act right. and it doesn't it's not exclusive to republicans or democrats i mean it's just not a priority for folks it's just not and i don't, I don't think it ever will be i think you know maybe in in some um, uh, magical future if we cleared up all our other problems and that thing eventually uh, gets through there and gets some traction that it may pass. I think uh, I think President Trump would sign it if it made it to his desk. I just don't think it's ever going to get that far simply because, uh, you know, um, uh, the folks in Congress are not being bribed enough. <laughs> you, Tegan said it. You heard it right there. Um, but that's, that's a true story. Okay, so Frank from uh, Texas City says, what is the difference between an SBR and a pistol? And I guess he's talking about AR-15s. It says, uh, I've seen both of them. Them, and they're nearly the same length. And can I put a collapsible stock on a pistol? Frank, the answer is no, you may not, sir. You can, but what happens when you do? You're going to jail. I know they look the same, and I know that the links are the same. I know that they fire the same number of cartridges. I know that they fire the same caliber of cartridge. I know that they use the same receiver. It, it, they are so similar, it, it is ridiculous, but. They are defined by the ATF technology branch. If it has a collapsible stock on it, and it is an overall length of 26 inches or less than 26 inches with at least a 16-inch barrel, it is defined as a rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, a pistol will have a pistol brace on it that is marketed as a pistol brace, not typically not adjustable. Oh, there's some there now that are hitting the market that have a little bit of adjustability, but they are still sold as pistol braces so if it has less than a 16 inch barrel on it and it has a pistol brace on it then it is a pistol just like a glock just like a colt would be just like an xd would be all of these things it's it it, it's it's all of that stuff so no you if you put a rifle stock a collapsible rifle stock on a pistol you will convert it to an sbr short barrel rifle and that will require a tax stamp and a and a form one and and all that hoop jumping that we were talking about um we were talking about the uh, uh the silencer deal so no you can't do it and no you shouldn't do it and as many options as there are uh, in the AR pistol world, it's probably something that you really you really wouldn't want to wouldn't need to mess with. No, you really wouldn't need to mess with it. And I I don't think I would I would waste my two hundred dollars in uh, in tax stamp money in in eight months of my life. I'll never get back. <laughs> Wait on a damn tax stamp to hit the door. You know, and plus you got to yeah. pay somebody. I mean, there's. Yeah, there's filing fees. The, the the filing fees for all the forms that accompany um, beyond the form one that you do or a form four if it's already built. Um, it's just, man, you know, that's one of those what you get for what you spend. 
is just in my opinion not there yeah so so frank the answer is 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 no don't do it and yeah there's a there is a distinct difference between the two it's actually a a distinction without a difference as uh, as they say but man you, your best bet is to stick with the pistol because the atf says you can uh you can shoulder uh pistol stocks now and it does not can uh, it does not change the um the configuration um of the weapon at least that was the uh, uh that was their last statement so so that's the one that we're going with right um so on the other side of the break i, I stumbled on uh, some questions that a um an online newspaper had for us to ask our politicians about gun control and uh we're going to ask them out loud and tegan and i are going to answer them so so stay with us bullet points on vinyl draft radio we'll be right back bold informative and thankful for the second amendment this is bullet points on vinyl draft radio hey welcome back to bullet points on vinyl draft radio i'm tony ashcraft and in the studio believe it or not is tegan but last segment, you know what, man? I got a little carried away. I ran all over <laughs> Tegan. Tegan, I apologize, man. That's my fault. I got to talking and and couldn't shut up. But uh, yeah, believe it or not, I mean, Tegan is a real person and he's really here. So uh, uh, we're gonna get some of these questions. The um, the Daily Herald uh, put out uh, a series of five questions, and these are five questions that that you, the folks, ought to ask your politician about uh, guns and gun control. So um, so I'm gonna. I'm going to ask those, and, and Tegan and I are going to kick these around. And some of them are, are pretty rhetorical, but uh, Tegan and I were actually talking in the green room before the show. And um, before I mentioned the questions to him, he actually, uh, coincidentally enough, brought up a, uh, a premise that was very similar uh, to one of the questions that was that was asked. Um, but so the first one is, it says, um, it says, do you think that a law banning U.S. citizens from buying and possessing semi-automatic and fully automatic weapons, uh, there's, that there should be a law against U.S. citizens buying and possessing semi-automatic and fully automatic weapons. <laughs> what other kind of guns are there? Well, there's single shot, I oh, guess. True. Yeah. So there's single shot weapons. So we'll resurrect the M1 Grand, I guess. <laughs> right. The bolt breach, breach shotguns, cap and right. cap and ball. So uh, that's kind of a. I mean, semi-automatic or, or, or fully automatic weapons. So, um, you know, there is a law. Re- well, there's laws restricting ownership of semi-automatic and fully automatic weapons mm-hmm. um, currently. And that law is not just anyone uh, can go in and, and legally purchase one. Right. You know, Tegan, if you go in to the store and say, hey, I want that semi-automatic whatever and let me buy it, what are they going to tell you? Hey, do this background check. <laughs> That's right. And if you're a felon, get the hell out of my get store. Get the hell out of my store. That's exactly right. And fully automatic weapons is a completely different thing. That's back to the, um, you know, that falls under the purview of the uh, NFA, the National Firearms Act. Uh, and, and you need your special licensing, taxes, everything. Another that's right. Waiting that's, period. A, that's, a, that's a whole different deal. So, yeah, and, and this is one of those questions, and this is what Tegan and I were talking about, that, that, that these folks frame questions that are not based on actual truths so they're asking you to answer a question to something that's not 
a, a true premise. Right. And I think for people that, and Tegan, you said it, that 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 people that are sort of on the fence, that you know, that are sort of ignorant to these things, that aren't against guns or aren't for guns, they hear this kind of stuff and they go, oh, oh no, they get they get kind of worried, and it it leans them in the other direction. So the next question is, this is, do you think that there should be a law banning the sale and possession of bump fire stocks or any other device this gets good any other device that would convert a weapon to semi-automatic or fully automatic status hold on did you say butt fire i said bump fire oh my bad yeah yeah i said butt fire adam butt fire butt fire yeah that's what i said well i mean that that is including the fact that i guess we already own mostly semi-automatic weapons and if you have the license for a fully automatic you're already there you're already so there. yeah true story i would say like apart from the uh, bump fire i mean well that was i've seen videos of guys using them that, and they're pretty cool yeah they're, but i mean they're not extremely practical well you know i don't know what these people define fully automatic as but uh i guarantee you um that they they don't know because uh, fully automatic is not a semi-automatic weapon that you can just fire as fast as you can pull the trigger. That doesn't constitute a fully automatic weapon. What is a fully automatic weapon, Adam? Um, it. Uh, put him on the spot. <laughs> it, sh- it shoots multiple rounds with with one pull of the trigger. So as long as you're holding on the trigger, right. it keeps puking out rounds. Right. Yeah. Whereas that's what I meant. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what I heard you say. Way to get it, bro. Yeah. That's good. Good job, buddy. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, they there there is. I mean, and when you say convert to semi-automatic, mm-hmm. convert from what? Single Once shot. Again, to, what what's going to be single shot that isn't already semi-automatic? I don't even understand that question. Uh, but so the answer is no, dumbasses. There should not be. <laughs> there should not be a law. Okay, so here's the other one. Um, uh, do you think there should be a law? <laughs> this is great. Do you think that there should be a law um, banning the sale and possession of gun silencers? And should it, oh, no? It says, should gun silencers remain illegal? Okay, so gun silencers are not illegal. They're just highly regulated. Yeah. And. That's what you and I were just talking about. So that's another one of those questions. They frame it as should it remain illegal? But it's not. But it's no, it's not. Besides an assassin, who else needs a silencer? And I'm asking honestly. Well, that's kind of where the Hearing Protection Act comes in. It's like, oh, we want our things to be silent. We want it to be more manageable in daily situations as if they're going to be using it all the time, 24-7. For competition, yes. Absolutely. Home defense, Hell yeah. I mean, you don't want something that loud in a closed room. I mean, there's a lot of applications for it. I think so, too. And I think a lot of them Or killing someone. Or, oh, well, the guns... When you want to stay undetected the silencer. But you know, though, if you've never shot a gun with a silencer on there, it's not like movie quiet. It's not like this... It's right. still loud. I mean, a silencer on an AR-15, most of them are around 133 to 135 decibels. Mm-hmm. That's still freaking loud, but it's not as loud as it would be without it. So, you know, you can shoot without without ears on, you know, without having to worry about that. Or if you're hunting or, you know, you've got – I mean, if you shoot an AR-15, like you said, take it indoors – that's insane. It's yeah. it's, it's super it's loud. Hurt. That's like yeah, full so, concert volume. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, yeah, and so uh, to remain illegal, I like it. I like it. Uh, the other one is: um, uh, Do you think back? This is great. Do you think background checks uh, for people that are 
wanting to purchase weapons um, at should be expanded to gun shows and internet sales and include mental health histories. Now, this is the one that you and mm-hmm. I got on in the in the green room. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, uh, spoiler alert, if you go to a gun show to buy a gun, the people that are selling those guns are licensed gun dealers. And check this out. You have to have a background check to buy a gun. They don't, will whip out a laptop and do it right They will whip it. That's right. They'll do yeah. it. You're going to do the same 4473 that you do in the store. So uh, in internet gun sales... Um, Tegan, what do you think the chances are of you buying a gun on the internet and having it shipped directly to your house? Well, unless I'm doing Bitcoin in the black market, I mean, no chance whatsoever. Zero. I mean, so it's it got to ha- go through a dealer. That's right. It has to go to a dealer. So we do gun transfers all the time. People buy from uh, from websites uh, in the state, out of the state, but they come in. They ship directly to us. We have to provide our federal license to that shipper prior to them shipping. They verify that license. They send it to us. We call the customer. Customer comes in. They fill out a 4473, which is a standard background check. If they pass, then they get the gun. If they don't, then see you later. Thanks for shopping with us. So that's another one of those things, man. That question is based on complete warm BS. It's not a thing. But just by reading the question, if you didn't know, that implies to people that 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 is true, that there yeah. is no background check, and it's simply not. So, I mean, they're they're creating they're creating lies. It's it's a falsehood. Well, somebody asked me at one point. They also said, "Hey, what about if you were buying from an individual? And couldn't you just buy all the guns you wanted?" And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't remember you, more it, than maybe one or two people walking around a gun show saying, "Hey, can you buy my crappy yeah. pistol?" And that's right. And that that's legal. Individual to individual sales are legal in the state of Texas. They're not. It's it's the regulations are different depending on where the state you go. But in general, you know, if you wanted to buy a gun from Adam and I don't know why you would, but but if you did, <laughs> and you said, hey, if you got an extra gun to sell, if I had one, I'd shoot my girlfriend, and he sells you that gun, then he's going to catch a little bit of liability because you know you're going to do something bad. But if y'all just do, if he has no other reason to believe that you're going to do anything wrong with that gun or that you're a felon or whatever, and he mm-hmm. does it, then that's perfectly legal. A lot of guys will do, um, you know, there's online forums you can get and whatnot, but that's another one of those things where it, it, it's just crazy. But something to think about, folks, we are all already out of time today, but join us next Tuesday and every Tuesday at 3 p.m. here on Vinyl Draft Radio, Second Amendment, talk and more. Tegan, appreciate it, man. You guys be armed, be smart, be safe. We will see you next Tuesday.